Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. Welcome to On Docs. I'm Colin Ellis. And I'm Nam Kiwanuka. Joining us today is host of CBC's Pop Chat, Elamine Abdel Mahmoud. How's it going, my friend? Hey, pals. It's so good hey, to be Elamine. with you. What's up? What's up? It's so nice to be here. Elamine, can I ask you a question? Are you yeah. ever in a bad mood? Ever? Uh, for sure. Just not right now, because I'm looking at your face. But, you know, from time to time, it does happen. The, 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 I, I won't say that it happens frequently, but it does happen from time to time. I don't believe it, but anyway. <laughs> Neither do I. No. Well, uh, we're really happy you're joining us here today, because we're, we're going to be actually talking about two celebrity documentaries. You are the celebrity expert, I think. Uh, Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil, and Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry. Those are the two docs we're going to be focusing most of our attention on. And uh, I just want to say for our listeners, you know, we're going to be talking about Demi Lovato. Demi Lovato is non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And so we'll do our best here to uh, use they, them pronouns to describe them. And Elamine, you you picked these two docs, and I want to know, first of all, why these two in particular? Uh, You know... First of all, I think they're maybe the class representatives of um, a flurry of docs about a bunch of artists that we've been treated to. Um, maybe treated to is like not the word, but maybe threatened with because we've just been like we've <laughs> we've been confronted by so many artist docs, and some of them are like I don't know if I wanted this. Uh, for example, there's like the Shawn Mendes documentary. There's been a Blackpink documentary. There's been two Taylor Swift documentaries just in the last like two years. Um, there's been an Ariana Grande documentary. Justin Bieber had one last year. So it like really seems like artists are turning to what do we maybe like for lack of a better word the credibility of the documentary format to say something about them to say like oh this is a real me and of course we are critical people who will watch these documentaries and say um yeah this might be parts of the real you but also we have notes you know we have thoughts and the demi documentary and the billy documentary are two very you know different examples um like the demi documentary is doing the work of here's Demi Lovato they're returning from this um this period of time when they've been away after their 2018 overdose and they have a new album out and so we now have to sort of set the record straight and sort of discuss this past um that's kind of bringing us to this point um so he's doing a lot of work on that front um and then there's the Billy documentary and Billy's kind of at the moment of, you know, the documentary drops right at the moment of her ascendance. Um, her, everything is accelerating by a lot, which is really saying something for an artist who's been accelerating so much for like four years. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about these two artists because I think they're doing different things with the documentary format um, and leaning on them for two different purposes. And so that's that's what I want to talk about. I, I hope you like them. I know Colin has a a question coming up, but I just wanted to interject for a second because you mentioned the artists that you mentioned that are doing these documentaries. They all seem to be 
uh, from a certain age group, and I'm uh, of a older generation. Speak on and it. I, yes, and I kind of and I find that, I kind of find it interesting because you would think that when you do these documentaries, it's like when you're looking back on your career, like maybe like a Tina Turner or maybe like yes. a posthumous documentary, like with uh, Biggie Smalls. So, um, do you find it interesting that uh, a lot of these documentaries are from younger artists? Yeah, I mean, these are, you're familiar with this format, Nam, these are behind the musics, right? Like, they're essentially mm-hmm. uh, a recreation of the behind the music format, which, you know, we're familiar with because artists usually do those in their late 40s when they're like, man, let me like look back at that crazy time in my life. Um, the reason they're doing them now, and I'm compelled by this, is because, and you kind of really see this in the Billy documentary more than anything else, is that they're so used to cameras being around them all the time anyway, um, that the notion of all of these cameras capturing things um, and then those things getting out and influencing their narrative without their permission seems like it would be the most destructive thing they could do. It's like the idea of somebody's already capturing me and I don't have the opportunity to like control that narrative or like have a say on it. That seems like it's not the thing that you want to do. Whereas even if as 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 late as the late 90s um you could theoretically have a lot of stuff happen in your life and get away with paying your people enough to sort of keep it under wraps until you're ready to reveal that's not so much the case anymore you know um and you kind of see that really obviously in the demi documentary dancing with the devil right at the start of it when you have all of demi's friends all of their friends just saying you really just want me to just like tell the truth? So you just want to know everything? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> wow. You don't want the true story from me. <laughs> I can't believe y'all are doing this. This is lit, but okay. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that is what we want because you have it on video, on camera. You have Snapchat recordings of the night that they overdosed. Um, like the. The, the footage is already there and the idea of actually like that footage just getting out without Demi's control is probably more damaging um, than getting ahead of it and saying, let's craft a story around this um, and you're free to sort of accept that story or not accept that story. That's your prerogative as a viewer, um, but they want to give their take on on where that's coming from. And I think that's very different than the behind the music work. I want to pick up on something you said earlier about the credibility of a documentary, because I think that's really important here, because we can talk about it with both regards to the Demi Lovato doc and the Billie Eilish doc, because I think in the case of the Billie Eilish doc, you know, you have actually a a seasoned filmmaker behind it, uh, R.J. Cutler, Mm -hmm. who I think he did a documentary on on John Belushi. He's done a few other films and and, yeah, feature and and, uh, documentary as well. The Demi Lovato doc, on the other hand, they are producing it. Yes. Uh, and I kind of wonder to what extent, you know, for her, she's treating this as, you know, a way to, I guess, draw interest into her, her album because she because they're also plugging an album. Uh, and I kind of wondered, yeah, I guess to what extent uh, are these documentaries for them more of like a commercial as opposed to like a feature, like a documentary film, which is supposed to be, you know, like an kind of a, an art form. Right. Mm hmm. I, I, I guess like for me, like I'm of two minds about this. One is that. Uh, yeah, like it is in fact a long commercial. It's a long commercial for an album that's about to come out in the context of surrounding it. But also I do think that as filmmakers who are just sitting around with cameras um, and trying to craft a story, I think they can't help but have some of the art 
seep in. Some of the art in terms of just like narrative craft seep in. Um, and I do think that like that's particularly the case with the Billy documentary because the Billy documentary is a fly on the wall documentary. There's a lot of just sort of gathered footage. It's edited by this woman, Lindsay Utz, who's incredible. Like I, I've seen her work um, in that doc, in the Billie Eilish doc, but also seen that her work in the Taylor Swift Miss Americana doc, which I think like they just like very strong narratively. Um, but it's reasonable to be skeptical of this work, right? It's reasonable to be skeptical of this work. I think part of the challenge for these artists is to overcome that skepticism. And I think Demi does that very effectively by being really candid. Like there's, there's just, even if you're coming to this enterprise saying, I'm skeptical of the fact, I think you're trying to sell me something. I think you're trying to like sell a certain image of yourself. You are confronted very quickly by some harrowing stuff, like some really, really harrowing stuff. It's like the first two minutes of it, you know, you, you begin watching and your jaw is slowly dropping because they really are going there. And it's not just not just Demi, but everyone around Demi um, is willing to do that. Now, I have my own thoughts about Scooter Braun, who's also a producer on the documentary. And Scooter Braun is Demi's manager, but also he's Justin Bieber's manager. Um, mm. And also he is famously um, Taylor Swift's main nemesis, as Taylor Swift tries to sort of like wrestle away um, the rights to her music. And the <laughs> The timing of Demi's documentary was directly correlated with the peak of Taylor Swift trying to say, these people own my music. I just want to own it back. These people are villains. Um, and then you have this documentary where Demi is sort of gushing about Scooter as a savior figure. And and I, and I can't help but think, uh, this is a very counter story to the story <laughs> we're telling about Scooter right now. Um, and so it's like, there is elements of truth telling here, but also there's like lots, lots of invitation to sort of distance yourself from the work, if that makes sense. It's so interesting that you said that because uh, one of the lines that stuck out with me, uh, for me, when I was watching the Demi Lovato uh, documentary, uh, at one point, I can't remember who said it, uh, but somebody said, "Families and um, friends and family say you're the best liar. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like one of those situations when you hide things in plain sight. Yes. Um, so if you talk about these things, yes, there we're going to talk about vulnerability in a moment. But uh, it's one thing to be vulnerable, but it's also one thing to be very smart. And I think these younger artists are very um, savvy. Um, and not to say that, you know, uh, that it's um, it's nefarious. It's like for bad mm -hmm reasons but i just think they kind of know how to approach these things do you think that maybe we're not giving them enough uh, uh credibility in the sense that they could be saying what they think we want to hear yes i think that's true i think like 100 percent that's true um it's it's always a sort of delicate balance which is why i think like the fly on the wall documentary is um, in a way more effective because you kind of get the sense of like these are just random things that are captured as we're observing this this the, 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 like the life of this artist. Um, but in the case of the Demi documentary, it is like it's a very structured documentary. It's very you know there's a lot of there's a lot of talking heads which like 
makes it feel less salacious, and I'm actually like very grateful for that. It's we're going from one one person to one person as opposed to they could have cut that documentary in a different way. They could have cut that documentary in a way that's just like here's the Snapchat clips, you know, here's like all this image of them um, coming off stage and they're clearly high and like there's a lot of damage going on here. But you don't get that. You get kind of like the safety of the talking head format. Um, it's just a matter of like I think it's okay to feel um, like they're very aware of the narrative they're trying to sell you, but also very compelled by it. And I think in the case of the Demi documentary, it is a very compelling narrative. It's a very compelling, tragic story. Um, you're getting the story of, and it's actually very fun, funny enough, the documentary starts with them being like, there was another documentary, but we didn't make that one. And the reason we didn't make that one is because yeah. of this overdose. Um, it's almost like a meta documentary on the documentary that could have been. Um, funnily enough, like that's just the thing that keeps popping up with Demi because they're very interested in the documentary format. I think this was their fourth, third or fourth documentary. Um, there was a 2017 documentary. There was another, there was one that MTV did, I want to say like, I don't know, like 10 years ago, because Demi's been working like forever. Um, and so it's like, there is credibility to be mined from the documentary format, but these artists can't fully hide because they're sitting in front of us and they're trying to explain their motivations and where they're coming from. And no matter what, they can't escape the conclusion that we are going to come, you know, come to, even if that conclusion is just, I don't believe you. I think that's still a powerful enough conclusion to come to. We're going to get to the mental health and addiction uh, aspects of both docs in a second. Uh, one thing I just wanted to kind of end this chapter on is just, you know, we've seen a slew of these celebrity documentaries, as you mentioned earlier, and, and we got quite a few of them this year. I happened to see a couple of them at TIFF. Mm-hmm. The, Kenny, the Kenny G one is outstanding. I highly recommend people watch that. It's directed by Penny Lane. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one called Jagged, which is about Alanis Morissette. Yeah. However, uh, Alanis was absolutely uh, furious at this doc. She called it, they, she said they had a salacious agenda. She said they lulled her, lulled her into a false sense of security. Their visions were, you know, diverged she just did not this was not the story she agreed to tell basically is what she was mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting that when when a documentary filmmaker's vision doesn't align with the subject of the film and wondered whether that tension was good for the artist or not i wonder if you if you have any thoughts on that i mean it's not meant to like this is not you know we're if you if this if jagged was meant to be a documentary that is an extension of alanis morris set inc then that is like a different product altogether all the Taylor Swift documentaries are, in fact, extensions of the Taylor Swift documentary, Taylor Swift Incorporated. Like that is, you know, they're they're doing the work of trying to seed a certain narrative. Whether we're talking about like the Miss Americana doc from a few years ago, um, or the Long Pond Sessions one that she just did um, last year when she released Folklore, um, with Alanis, I think she's getting at a discomfort that is totally fair but it's kind of a part of doing journalism, right? It's, it's kind of like sometimes you will talk to a subject and you will get to the heart of a matter and they will say something that maybe they didn't want to say, but the conversation led them to a place where they're like, oh, this is the conclusion. Like together, you and I, in the process of the interview, got to a deeper truth um, and then you committed that to film. However uncomfortable you might feel about that, that's fine. But that was a truth I was captured in that moment. And you can say, I'm not sure I agree with how I put it, but I'm not sure that you can say they walked in with a salacious agenda. I think um, 
it's it's that's just what an interview is right it's like an interview is is a back and forth until we get to like somewhere else we're going somewhere together um the fact that they got to that place um together and then you after the fact feel a little bit uncomfortable about it i'm not really sure that's grounds enough to dismiss the whole work um but it makes a lot of sense that sometimes artists will say something on tape and be like woof that was more of myself than i meant to reveal um and like, and then you gotta you gotta sit with that. I don't I don't think there are other consequences for it aside from I don't know like talk to a therapist maybe you know like <laughs> that's, I, and that's a natural outcome. That's like a totally natural outcome of of putting work out in the world, putting truths out in the world, then having people engage with them in that way. You've kind of touched a little bit on the vulnerability that mm -hmm. uh, these artists are showing. It's one thing, I think, to put it in the music and then you have a camera that's in your face. Maybe you forget yeah. that the camera is there. Yeah. Um, and the Demi and the Billy documentaries, uh, both of them delve into the realm of mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, they really had me thinking about how our vocabulary around mental health has evolved over the last, I'd say, maybe 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, we went from it being something that was really stigmatized. And like you said, you would speak to a therapist. Yeah. Even just going to a therapist was stigma. Yeah. Um, so it went from being stigmatized to something that we, and maybe especially younger generations, talk about more openly. Um, how does that awareness, that vocabulary change how we understand these celebrities and their struggles? I think there's a there's a real element of um, maybe we try to diagnose them ourselves as we're watching, and I think like that is like a, maybe a new dimension that they had not accounted for because that vocabulary is kind of everywhere. But you know, I'm thinking about a moment. Um, there's like a moment in the Billy documentary where she is singing the James Bond theme. She's recording the James Bond theme. And she does like a part where she sings really beautifully. Like she like it's like one of the most beautiful um, elements of her voice that she brings out. And like it's really highlighted. And it's so beautiful. Like it like it's like that it almost steps outside of her public persona, which is like this like snarky kid who doesn't really care, who doesn't put that much effort into this kind of stuff. Um, and she feels instantly self-conscious right like she feels instantly self-conscious because she's all of a sudden aware of the ways that people are going to um see that on the internet and be like oh no that made me feel more exposed than i meant to and so she kind of like collapses and feels really vulnerable um that was a compelling moment for me because i she's clearly aware of the ways that we talk about her um and she's clearly aware of how that was like a violation of the ways that we talk about her um and that made me i don't know it made me sad for her i guess that like she couldn't feel like she could be her full self um in this documentary you know um or be her full self in that moment and then suddenly become aware that there are cameras all around you um and then you contrast that with demi who is just kind of sitting in front of a camera and they're just saying look here's all my stuff i don't you know i i have i have nothing to hide i'm going to talk about every mental illness that i've ever experienced every trauma i've ever experienced um and i think it makes us relate to them differently when they're vulnerable in two different ways there's there's a vulnerable sort of candidness and there's a vulnerable oh my gosh i can't believe i just revealed that about myself um i meant to protect this part of me um and i think like it works on different levels on our empathy if that makes sense like i think like we get as viewers we get something different out of each one of them but it's still really sympathetic to to the struggles that they're going through because we kind of recognize that because it, the language as you said is kind of everywhere 
Yeah, there were things I liked about both docs. Like I, 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 the candidness that you mentioned about De- the Demi Lovato doc, I think I really uh, appreciated. Mm-hmm. I appreciated just how um, willing they were to express their vulnerabilities and all the things that they've had to deal with. I thought that was really brave of them. Yeah. And in the Billie Eilish doc, I think for me, what was really interesting was again we're seeing the rise of a star. You know, I don't. I mean, I don't know if this director knew just how far she would go. You know, be going to the Grammys, uh, doing mm-hmm. the James Bond theme, you know, all these mm-hmm. things that happened to her along the way. I don't know how if they could have anticipated that, but it's really interesting to see. And it's really interesting to see her struggle with all that, to see her, uh, you know, sh- uh, f- feel doubt and feel all the things that a teenager would feel. Sounds great. Sounds pretty horrible. I think it sounds kind of awesome. It's pretty bad. We said we'd have it done before the tour. Well, we have a deadline now, and we have an album release, so we'll have it done. But we won't have it done if we don't do it, so that's why we're doing it. But it sounds bad! And I sound horrible, and I can't sound good because I'm not good. You're very good. No, I'm not. Lots of people would agree with me that you're very good. At the same time, I kind of remember a time when artists, you didn't know a whole lot about them, Mm -hmm. and there was a little bit of mystery to them. You know? Uh, Like, you know, for me, like, my favorite artists, Prince, Sade... Don't know a whole lot about them. I mean, personal, they're personalized. You hear, you know a few things, but there's a lot of enigma behind them. And I think that's what kind of, I find, that's, I guess, what I find so fascinating about them is because I want to know more, but they're only giving you a little bit. Right. Um, I guess I wonder to what extent do you think, you know, these crop of pop artists, the ones that are kind of, you know, in the mainstream now, is there a problem that we know too much about them, I guess? It, listen, Sade could be in a hamlet in Ireland and we'll never know. We have no <laughs> idea. No, we don't know. Where's Sade we don't. at? You're right. Sade, you're right. if you're listening to this, tweet me. I just, where are <laughs> Seriously, you? Seriously, add me at Nemesite. Yeah. Like, get at us. Um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about, the reason I'm not worried about that is because I think these artists are very aware of the stage of their career that they're at. Right. Um, at the stage of their career, they're trying to speak to a lot of young people. I mean, it's not... I would even go, you know, take the Billy Doc, for example, like the counter narrative or like the B plot of that of that story is Justin Bieber's entire career arc. You know, it's like sort of woven in into her story as kind of both a destination, I think, in terms of like where Billy's headed is like sort of sort of signal like this is as big as he's going to get, possibly bigger. Um, But also it also signals as like, oh, and also this is like, um like a, a cautionary tale. Like it also could get this bigger. That's a problem. Um, I think if you have those ambitions, you have no choice but to speak. Um, there are very few artists who can get away with not being confessional in the moment, um, whether it's confessional in the music um, or confessional in in the style of certain documentaries. Um, the artists who I think don't need to be that confessional are like, it's like Adele, Rihanna, and Beyonce. And even Beyonce has done two documentaries in the last six years or so, um, including the um, the big homecoming one, which, like, it's a concert film, but it's also, like, a film that's like, this is the work that it takes to be Beyonce. And it's like, if y'all think you can do this, you're you're crazy, because none of you can even come close to it. I never, I certainly walked away from that being like, I never want to do that. I have no desire to be anywhere in the league as Beyonce. I, we both have the same 24 hours in a day and I want to do different stuff with mine. Absolutely. Um, so there's, there's like an urgency to the confession. I think if you're a young artist, just in terms of signaling the kinds of artists you want to be like. Um, and so 
very few artists can get away with um, making themselves scarce. Um, and even Rihanna, like I say, she's scarce. Like she's not dropping a fashion line every three months. I mean, she's never going to drop the album. Give it up. The album's not coming. That's not a thing that's going to come. <laughs> but why would she? She's making more money. She's a billionaire. From, what billionaire? Right? Like, what billionaire do you know wants to go to work? Like that's not a thing that's just going to happen. Rihanna's not going to wake up in the morning and be like, let me go to work and record some songs. No, she's just going to keep doing the thing that she's doing and it's fine. But in terms of the era of artists making themselves scarce, certainly as scarce as Sade has made herself, um, seems to be over in the sense that if you're not in one of our screens um, at all times, whether it's like my phone screen or some kind of streaming platform screen, um, then where are you, you know? And so it's like, if you must speak, then I guess this is the way that you have to speak. Um, you know, at one point in um, the Dancing with the Devil, we hear from another megastar, Elton John. And I think this documentary was maybe made before uh, Demi came out as non-binary. So mm -hmm. Elton John uses the she pronouns. But um, Elton John says... The great thing about Demi is that she has opened up about her addictions and her problems and the stress and the, and the pressure of fame at such a young, early age. And um, a lot of people are afraid to open up about it. And I think once you open up about it, you get the monkey off your back and you come out in the open. It doesn't mean to say you're cured because you never will be. Addiction is a lifelong thing, but you can have the most fantastic life. I've been sober 30 years. I've had the most incredible things happen to me. And I'm hoping that she does too, because she's such a great girl. What does Demi's openness in talking about addiction say about how the conversation around that has evolved? Because at one point in the documentary, one of her friends says that Demi is very much aware that she avoided uh, the 27 Club. Yeah, I think that there's, there's a tension between the last documentary and this documentary that is maybe go, goes a little bit unspoken because the 2017 documentary is all about getting help, you know, um, getting help and sort of coming out from on the other side of addiction and sort of like figuring out um, where she wants to go next, uh, where they want to go next. And, and there is the tension is highlighted for me when you hear from someone like Elton John. And then by the time we get to no, no, not I don't mean a spoiler this documentary, but by the time we get to dancing, like the end of Dancing with the Devil, um, Demi's not sober. That's not, you know, that's not the conclusion that we come to. There's something that they're calling California sober, which is like they're not drinking, but they're still going to continue to smoke weed. And it sounds like, like lots of people have thoughts about like, is this sober? I don't know what this is. It sounds like a thing that doesn't really exist, but it sounds like a thing that people in California would have made up, which fine. Um, <laughs> but you're really meant to get the sense because in the 2017 doc, one of the one of the key tensions is like with her management team um who obviously want the best for her but also you get the sense that they have a very heavy hand um and they're really like pushing the sobriety really pushing this like very like strict kind of way to control a lot of her life and then um by the time that we get to dancing with the devil we're talking about consequences like eating disorders we're talking about consequences um like running back to to substance abuse because um they have they see themselves as having no other option i kind of think though uh, that it's yeah. uh she's being more honest in that sense because i think when yeah. we talk about addiction it's like you're it's a lifelong struggle once you're an addict you're an addict and you can never have a drink you can never have you can never smoke a cigarette mm -hmm. um and for me i thought that was probably one of the most honest things i've heard a celebrity say yes. because 
it, she's kind of like, you know, I will have a drink. I'll smoke some weed. I won't do the hard stuff like heroin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was honest. It Certainly. It's certainly like a really honest portrayal, but it's also subverting our expectations of what sobriety looks like, right? Like um, there's, there's, a, there's a certain like public investment in being like, oh, they're drinking. Oh, they're not drinking. Um, and oh, they're using drugs. They're not using drugs. And uh, Demi wants to say, ah, it might not be such a binary for me. Like it might, you know, I, I don't, I'm not really as comfortable with this binary yes or no. I have surrounded myself with people in my life who can help me navigate this. Um, and I just need you to trust that I can do that without it being this very like abstinence only approach. Um, are you left with a sense of feeling comfortable about it? I don't think so. I think like you're still left with a, with a sense of, that's worrying, but also it's sort of like the most steady way forward that Demi can muster up right now. And like, you get the sense that they're safe, um, that they feel pretty good about this approach and we'll see what happens. I have no doubt that Demi's going to make like five more documentaries in the next like 10 years. Yeah. I kind of I wondered about that. You know, are we going to see more docs from from them going forward? I mean, obviously they, they have this new kind of... Um, identity now like like the film we're spoiling the documentary sorry for anyone who hasn't seen it yet but uh they do come out as queer in the in the doc but now they obviously are are, are non-binary and so i i, I kind of look look forward to seeing more documentaries from them and and perhaps even billy eilish too i mean i i still think again like just the fact that they're so young and, and they're doing these so, sort of super lengthy uh features about themselves is uh it's it's definitely in contrast to i guess artists from the past it's very different i i, I kind of wonder about the future of this of this format in terms of pop stars using documentaries to i guess either i don't know sell sell an image sell their albums or be in conversation with their fans i wonder if there's more le- if this uh got, i don't know genre if you want to call it that mm-hmm. i wonder if it has more legs to it well one thing we haven't talked about is the crudeness of this format because like yeah these people are making these 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 docs but they're, how do we put this in the most polite way possible? It's like the streaming platforms are vultures about this, right? I mean, like the Billie Eilish doc is an Apple TV Plus exclusive, right? Um, the Demi doc is a YouTube exclusive. Sean Mendes is only on Netflix. Like, it's like, it's like almost like the streaming platforms are picking their horses. You know, they're like, that belongs with us. We're willing to invest in this. It's obviously because there's a lot of hunger for um, for content. Like, this, you know, stream platforms are just desperate to get audiences that are like, oh, if you like this artist, then you will come to our platform and then you will watch it. If you like Blackpink, you will absolutely go to Netflix and spend some time watching what it's like to be one of the biggest K-pop acts on the planet. Um, you know, interestingly, Taylor Swift has a Netflix doc and an Apple TV doc. So, that, you know, those are two different hmm. platforms. Um and so I don't see that hunger abating anytime soon um, in the sense that I think, so far anyway, it appears that these streamers have more time and money for this for this format, right? Like, it's like, yeah, we'll send some folks to, you know, invest into this, in, in, invest into this thing. Or the, 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 the counter side of that is like, even if the interest wasn't initially coming from streaming platforms, if you're an artist, even if you're like a barely known artist, um... If you put together one of these things, chances are one of the streaming platforms will be interested in it. Um, so, whereas, like, if you were a B-level artist who's sort of working to break through um, 20 years ago, 
you couldn't fund a documentary and be sure that MTV is going to pick it up. Like, that just was not a sure bet that you could make. Um, but now, it's pretty likely that you're going to find an audience for it. And so I think that creates, like, well, it's so, so easy, so why not do it, you know? And so I'm curious who else is going to do it, but it's going to be a lot of people, I'm, I'm betting. Um, that word is so interesting that you used uh, crude, because I think there's this idea that um, being skyrocketed to, into fame results in like drug addiction, alcohol abuse. Um, and it kind of seems as if we're uh, an audience uh, waiting for, you know, like these people's lives are, are fixed, right? Uh, we want the drama. Um, and, you know, and when you watch those two documentaries with Demi and uh, Billy, they have uh, challenges for different reasons. Um, why is why do you think there is a spotlight on young artists that seems to kind of anticipate their failure? Uh, well, I mean, particularly with Billy, you know, <sighs> How do we put this? Like, if you weren't paying attention to music for a minute, it really feels like Billie Eilish came out of nowhere. You know, it really feels like you just like nobody gave me the memo that this person was going to suddenly become the biggest pop star on the planet. And it feels like whiplash. And you, you know, you suddenly have to start kind of putting the meat on the bones of this 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 fame rocket that's the worst analogy i've ever come up with in in the world uh you're kind of building the story as you go right like it's like okay like let's we're taking off we got to build the rocket while we're on our way to space um and so you got to like craft a little bit more in terms of their narrative um and part of the fact that billy's fame is so new and is just like so big is that like, we don't like that. We don't like it when someone comes out of nowhere and becomes the biggest thing on the planet. I think it makes a lot of people skeptical in a certain way, or certain makes a lot of people um, not upset, but they begin to root for them to maybe, um, may, for their star to dim. You know, they start to say like, I think I'm being a little bit overexposed to this person. I think there's just a little bit too much of this person happening to me. Um, and so there's always that 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 B plot or that C plot in these documentaries. Like this could go away at any moment because there's a lot of people out there rooting for this person to fail, rooting for this person to not succeed um, at becoming a very famous person. Um, that's awful. Like that's a thing that is real, but it is awful. And if you are a young star, I think you're feeling that pressure. Like you're feeling the pressure of oh my God, this could go away at any moment. Um, I better not give them a reason um, to take it away from me. And I think that's what the, these documentaries are doing. Is like, oh yeah, it, I, know it, I know it feels like it came out of nowhere, but it's very earned because this person worked really hard for it. This has been a lot of fun, Elamine. I'm going to ask you one last question. It's the most important question. And Nam, actually, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on this too. Which pop star do you want to see a documentary made about? Oh my gosh. Um, Machine Gun Kelly? Um, really? Listen, Machine Gun Kelly is an interesting person to me. And he's interesting because he's so not interesting. But however, he's very good <laughs> at getting attention. Like he's he's sort of an attention vulture in a way that I've seen very few people be an attention vulture. Um, and Machine Gun Kelly's kind of been foisted upon us um, in the last few months. Him, His relationship with Megan Fox has like made a lot of headlines. A lot of people are very skeptical of this, and I think it's fair because it looks manufactured and it looks like just like there's not a lot of internal life going on there. And I'm betting that if you make that documentary, you won't find much of an internal life going on there either. Um, and so I'm 
I'm sure I am curious about what that might look like. But if I must pick someone else, then maybe a Sade <laughs> documentary from that from that um, that Hamlet in Ireland, which I assume she she lives in. You know who lives? You know who lives in a Hamlet in Ireland is is Enya, who lives in a castle in Ireland somewhere, and like. You don't hear much about Enya. You know what I mean? She's just living the dream in Ireland. You know what? If I if I had if I would watch I would watch an Enya documentary. After watching the Kenny uh-huh. G doc, I'm I'm totally open to watching a documentary about someone I have no understanding of their music, like or no interest in their music. I think it's actually more interesting. It is to watch. Yeah, yeah, because it sort of like gives you like the idea of like what is this person's appeal and why do people. Why are people into this? And like, listen, Enya Hive is out here, including me. Nam, which doc, which artist would you like to see a doc about? Uh, it's already been made, the Bob Barley one. So I'm oh. all good. Yeah. You don't have any like cool. younger star that you're like watching them now and be like, why is why is Young Thug so big? Let's get a documentary about <laughs> Young Thug going. <laughs> no, I kind of think it's cool that uh, a lot of the younger artists are just kind of taking control of their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked in the music industry, and it was really frustrating to see how um, the record companies... Do you remember the Hot Boys? Like uh, Juvenile, yeah. all those guys? Oh, yeah, of course. So when they first came out, I went to New Orleans, and I did a story with them. And uh, just to see how some of them, where they landed, it's a little frustrating, considering all the money that they made so I think it's great that these younger artists are saying you know I'm going to take control of my narrative I'm going to communicate directly with my fans but I still do worry about them because the music industry is you know you always have to do something to entertain us and Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's uh, I can only imagine the amount of pressure that they feel so I just want to like shout out the humility that Nam has in terms of saying I worked in the music industry because it's a little bit <laughs> like if Picasso was like, yeah, paint some pictures, bro. Oh, no, no. It's like, oh, God. Come on. What are you? I'm I not having know, it. You're making me red. No, I'm no, not having no. it. I'm absolutely that's not having nice. it. That's very nice. That's very nice. I know this nice. is your uh, show, but I'm not having it. No, that's very nice. We've got the African connection going on. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, but thanks, Olivia. That's very kind of you. <laughs> All right. Well, Elamy, this has been so much fun. Is there uh, anything uh, you want to plug? Anything you want to recommend uh, we go check out? Uh, woof. I highly recommend that you check out this little, tiny little podcast on CBC called um, Pop Chat. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's pretty good. Hosted by some guy. He's a it's bit okay. of a schmuck. But the conversation's <laughs> great. great. The conversation's great. So Pop Chat, check it out, man, wherever you get your podcast. Awesome. Well, for more of Elamy's insightful wisdom about celebrities and all things uh, pop culture, go check out Pop Chat. And uh, Elamine, thank you so much for joining us today. On Yes, on thank Docs. you. It was awesome. Pleasure, friends. Thanks for having me. And that's the podcast. Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry is on Apple Plus, and Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil is on YouTube. While you're here, why not give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about us. It helps new listeners find the show. Thanks to producer and editor Matthew O'Mara, producer Carla Lucetta, senior producer Katie O'Connor, production support coordinator Jonathan Hallowell, and executive producer Lori Few. We'll catch you at the next screening. <laughs> <laughs>